Blog Talk Radio. was a lawyer once. His name was Francis Scott Key. He penned a song that I'm sure you're aware of. You've seen it. It's in most hymnals throughout our churches. It's called the National Anthem. It is our song as an American. Renewed hostile actions against United States ships on the high seas in the Gulf of Tonkin have today required me to order the military forces of the United States take action and reply. Dr. Martin Luther King, the apostle of nonviolence in the civil rights movement, has been shot to death in Memphis, Tennessee. President Kennedy has been shot. Is that possible? He still has the gun. The gun is pointed at me right at this moment. Take a hold of this thumb and break it if you have to. We are going to fire. We are calling themselves members of the Weather Underground last night planted bombs in federal office buildings in Washington and Oakland, California. They took the babies out of incubators and left the children to die on the cold floor. Survivors of the USS Liberty are demanding a congressional investigation into what happened and acknowledgement that the Israeli Air Force bombed a U.S. intelligence Navy ship. The death of bin Laden marks the most significant achievement to date in our nation's effort to defeat al-Qaeda. The Taliban is taking responsibility for shooting down a U.S. helicopter. More than 30 people were killed, and there are reports this morning that most of them are U.S. Navy SEALs. There may be a false flag incident where some, uh, a ship goes down and you be used for the excuse to accelerate the next war. If there's one thing that has unified Democrats and Republicans and everybody in between, that we all hated the bank bailout. The Department of Homeland Security is apparently on a huge ammo buying spree. It comes out to like 1.6 billion rounds of ammunition. Today, it is infinitely easier to kill a million people than to control a million people. They estimated that they would have to eliminate 25 million people in these re-education centers. And when I say eliminate, I mean kill. I'm here to warn people. You keep telling me to shut up. This isn't a game. Joseph Gibson podcast in here, understanding the time don't today. Uh, you got to listen to this exchange here. This is a good one here. Peter Schiff uh, arguing with two uh, dingbats, uh, debating them about the economy. This is going to be a good. I got this is pretty good. It shows shows the stupidity. Democrats and Republicans in Congress started warning in September that the debt ceiling would need to be raised above its twenty-eight trillion dollar limit or the country would risk defaulting on its debt altogether. But this fight is really nothing new. 
That's right. The decision to raise or change the definition of the debt ceiling has been made by Congress 78 times just in the last 60 years. And while Republicans have been the ones resisting it this year, the overwhelming majority of those changes have actually been made while a Republican was in the White House. In fact, the national debt hasn't hit zero since the Andrew Jackson administration in the 1830s. But major events such as World War II, 9-11, and the Great Recession have added to it significantly over the years. And many may remember when the national debt hit $1 trillion for the first time back in 1981. The Ronald Reagan administration combined an increase in defense spending with tax cuts. The deficit decreased slightly under the Clinton administration, and it stood around $5 trillion when George W. Bush took office. But it didn't, his administration more than doubled that number, bringing it to over $10 trillion. President Barack Obama then doubled it again, raising the national debt to nearly $20 trillion. Now, in order to fully understand how the national debt impacts the country, we have to look at where it stands compared to our gross domestic product. Now, last year's spending in response to the pandemic brought the debt-to-GDP ratio to 105%, marking its highest point since World War II. But if we go back to the 1990s, we'll find that the ratio stood under 50%, even dropping down to 30% under the Clinton administration. The debt-to-GDP ratio was up to nearly 45% by the time George W. Bush left office, and by the time Obama left office, it had skyrocketed to nearly 75% as the continued increase in defense spending combined with the government's response to the Great Recession. So who owns all of this debt? The two largest entities are actually right here in the United States, the Social Security Trust Fund and the Federal Reserve. That's public. That's the debt of the people. Now, beyond that, China and Japan both own more than $1 trillion in U.S. Treasury securities, followed by the U.K., Ireland, Luxembourg, and Brazil. So what is the significance of all of this debt, and what would it mean if the U.S. were to actually default? Well, joining us now to discuss are Professor Richard Wolf, host of the Economic Update, Peter Schiff, chief economist at Euro-Pacific Capital, and Steve King, the economics professor of Patreon. It's great to have you all on the show today. And Professor Wolf, I want to start with you. Now, when we look at the way the debt has grown, have we just come to expect that Congress will continue to spend more as time goes on at this point? Yes. I mean, basically, we have waltzed ourselves into a kind of corner from which it is too dangerous to try to escape. Uh, the debts are so enormous at this point. And by the way, not just the federal debt, but corporate debt and individual household debt, that even the effort to raise interest rates a little bit uh, becomes a risk and a shock that an already troubled economy can really not cope with. So that we are in a situation where we have to keep funding a debt even though it becomes more dangerous as we do so. And, Peter, when we look at a lot of the reasons the national debt has jumped over the years, it seems there's always something, whether it's the Great Recession, World War II, a global pandemic, or even the war on terror. In some capacity, do you ever see this spending being justified based on current events? Well, first of all, you know, the debt continues in good times as well as bad. We never have any surpluses when times are good to pay off the deficits we incur when, when times are bad. But I want to correct a couple of mistakes that you made earlier on with, with the debt. First of all, the debt to GDP, it's actually 125%, not 105%, because the 105% doesn't count 
the debt held by the Social Security Trust Fund. So when you count all the debt that's outstanding, it's 125. But that doesn't even tell the whole picture because you have to look at the state government debt and all the municipalities because everybody is looking at the same tax base to repay the debt. So when you measure all government debt in the United States, you're looking at 140 percent 145 percent of GDP, but that's just the tip of the iceberg because it doesn't count any of the unfunded liabilities of the United States government. Those are commitments to pay things like Social Security or Medicare benefits or guaranteed student loans. And when you add all that together, you're talking about several hundred times the GDP uh, of how much we've, we've, we've run up in debt. And the problem, contrary to what everybody is talking about, the problem isn't the debt ceiling. The problem is the debt. The problem is we keep raising the ceiling, so we keep on piling on more debt. Now, Steve, I want to give you a chance to respond to that. I know we've talked about how the national debt has grown and how those figures just continue to grow. Of course, when you do take the time to factor everything in, is this something that you see as just inevitably continuing to grow, especially the way that Congress is operating right now? Uh, if you want to continue having a capitalist economy, yes, it has to grow. And this is the, this is the reason why I find some of this alarm quite laughable, frankly, uh, because I'll, I'll take one of Peter's figures about the level of government debt being 145% of GDP before some of the other things he added in. That's actually less than the level of private debt, which is running at about 165% of GDP right now, and that's the real problem. Personal debt is a problem. Personal debt does constrain what individuals can do, and falls in personal debt do cause crises. That's what we should be worrying about. But all the stuff about government debt, so, and I'm talking specifically the federal debt here because federal debt is different to state debt. Uh, it doesn't, doesn't have anything like the same problem. In fact, it's part of the reason why capitalism works, because when the government runs a deficit, it creates an identical surplus for the private sector. The government deficit is the private sector's surplus. If the government runs a surplus, the, the private sector runs a deficit. Uh, you know, I know this is hard for people to get their heads around, but it's actually the accounting involved, and it's easily shown using accounting software, that if the government has, uh, spends more than it gets back in taxes, it puts more money into private bank accounts than it takes out through taxes. And the only question is, does this end up meaning the, Federal, the Treasury has a, has a negative account at the Federal Reserve or a positive account at the Federal Reserve. That's what bond sales are for, and that's what the coin could be for as well. Hey, Peter, I want to come back to you on this, because, I mean, obviously this is a broad conversation about the state of debt that we will continue here throughout the half hour. But, but the question is, what are really the negative, uh, the downsides of holding all of this debt? Because it does seem like there's a lot of give and take in this. Well, the debt is a huge problem. It doesn't help capitalism. It interferes with capitalism because what happens is the government is, is taking resources away from the private sector and diverting them to public spending. And this undermines uh, capitalism. It undermines savings and investment and all the things that we need to grow our standard of living. The problem is much of this debt now is being monetized by the central bank. The Federal Reserve prints money to buy up all this debt, and all that is is levying a massive inflation tax on the economy, and this is only getting started. Prices are going to explode in the United States for all manner of consumer goods, especially goods relative to services, because the American economy, after years and years of deficits crowding out private investment, 
We are completely dependent on the productive capacity of the rest of the world. We are running record trade deficits. Just yesterday, we printed the largest monthly trade deficit in U.S. history, better than $73 billion. Those deficits are going to keep getting higher and higher. And eventually, and I think relatively soon, the value of our money, the dollar, is going to collapse and all the prices of the imported goods are going to be going up much faster than they are right now. Uh, Professor Wolf, I know we have pretty much the same conversation with you quite regularly about trade and what Peter's talking about. What do you make of Peter's comments there? Well, I'm always mystified by Peter's comments because if this is against capitalism, he does have a problem of explaining it. Is everybody wrong except him? Is everybody making a terrible mistake? Is the system self-destructive? Most people, yes. I don't think... I don't think so. I think this is a system that's got basic problems and is trying to solve them by printing a great deal of money and exploding its debt. It's really solving one set of problems by this debt creation, by this monetization, and then it creates a new set. And it has bumbled through for two or three centuries doing this over and over again, and everybody kind of knows that eventually you're going to solve one problem problem by creating another one and then you won't be able to solve it and then this well, system will come down that's the problem well, Amer american capitalism did great until the u.s government corrupted it you know we had a vibrant free market economy under a gold standard when we had honest money when we didn't have a federal income tax or social security tax we didn't have any of these types of spending programs that we have today and we have a we had a thriving middle class we had an economy that really was the the envy of the world uh, we built a standard of living that was unmatched anywhere else in the world. The problems really started when government started to grow and started to impose more regulations and more subsidies and more government spending, and the Federal Reserve came around. So these problems were not created by capitalism. They were created by government's interference with capitalism. And every time government tries to solve the problems that they create, they make those problems even worse. Well, Steve, I want to give you a chance to weigh in on this. I know we've talked a lot about the different systems, but do you see the United States as having a free economy as both in its Congress that is deciding to continue to add on to the national debt, which they say that we own, but the American people don't really seem to have much of a choice in the matter? Well, um, the American people have a choice. They can do what happened during the 1920s. And uh, let's go back. I think that's before. I think Peter would admit that's before government debt got to be particularly large at that stage. Government spending was about 5% of GDP or less. And Calvin Coolidge decided to run a, a surplus for his entire term. And during the 1920s, he did precisely that. He ran a surplus of roughly 1% of GDP every year. And, of course, the economy boomed, and he took credit for it and said that the surplus was the reason the economy boomed. When you look at the data carefully, what you find is, yes, there was a government surplus of 1% of GDP every year, and every year the private sector was borrowing roughly 5% of GDP to speculate on the stock market. Now, that's what gave you the turbocharged economy, not the surplus, but the, the, the government, but the deficit being run that by was the only private sector. To borrow and gamble, let me finish, Peter, to borrow and gamble on the stock market, and over that period of time, the private debt level rose... More margin debt, okay, just debt to buy to gamble on shares, rose from 1% of GDP to 13% of GDP and then crashed right back down again. That's what gave us the Great Depression. Now, that sort of irresponsibility on the private debt side is the real Achilles heel of capitalism. And worrying about the government's behaviour is, frankly, identifying the wrong problem. And, Peter, I'm going to give you the final word. You have 30 seconds before we go to break here. 
Yeah, the problem was the Federal Reserve was in, uh, created in 1913, and it was their easy money policies in the latter part of the 1920s that inflated that stock market bubble. And when it popped, what created the Depression was the interventionist policies of Herbert Hoover and, the, and then Franklin Delano Roosevelt. That's why we had a Depression, was because we had too much government and we had a, and we had a central bank. <laughs> if, we, if we didn't have either, then we wouldn't have had a Depression at all. All right, I know we've and got a lot to talk about. stock market bubble. You can shake your head, but that's, that's a fact. Global debt is ballooning and could lead to a catastrophic outcome, with global debt rising to a new record high of nearly $300 trillion in the second quarter. What does this mean for economies around the world? Boom Bust co-host and investigative journalist Ben Swan is following the story. Well, as you say, global debt now stands at a whopping and record $296 trillion dollars. But what's really interesting is that almost 10% of it, or 19.5 trillion, came about just during the coronavirus pandemic. Well, prior to the pandemic, the world's debt to GDP ratio rose 356% in 2020, up 35 percentage points from where it stood in 2019. That's according to a new report from the Institute of International Finance. It also found that countries saw their economy shrink and they issued an ocean of debt just to stay afloat. But now, in the battle against COVID, governments around the world are now more indebted than at any other point in modern history, even surpassing World War II. Not only are governments around the world spending vast sums of money to fight the pandemic, but big corporations, which have been emboldened by unprecedented government support for markets, are selling bonds like never before. All that debt now means severe cuts to public spending on health, education, and social protection programs globally. The International Monetary Fund believes that 35 to 40 countries are debt distressed, defined as when a country is experiencing difficulties in servicing its debt, such as when there is debt restructuring. Countries falling into debt distress include Tunisia, which has seen political upheaval, as well as Zambia and Ghana. Zambia was the first African country to default on debt last year during the pandemic. So how bad is it? Well, now Zambia has to allocate 44% of its annual government revenue to creditors. Ghana spends about 37% of its national budget on debt interest payments. Cameroon spent 23.8% of its budget on debt payments, compared to just 3.9% of the country's revenue on health. And all of this leads a number of analysts to say that we are now in a debt super cycle and that central banks are in a trap which could ultimately lead to a global economic collapse. For Boom Bust, I'm Ben Swan. And for more on this, let's bring back our panel of Professor Richard Wolf, host of Economic Update, Peter Schiff, Chief Economist at Euro-Pacific Capital, and Steve Keen, the Economics Professor of Patreon. Uh, Steve, I actually want to start with what Ben just mentioned there. As you see a nation default or face major debt woes, and then they're owing 44% of their GDP to creditors, what is that doing to them? depends on whether they have their own currency or not and whether they're running a trade surplus or not. A country running a trade surplus, and let's take Japan as an example there, is quite capable of continuing to issue government debt indefinitely. Uh, in, on that particular case, the Japan, I think, has the world record. 250% of GDP is at government debt level. Is the economy suffering? No. On a per capita basis, it's been growing faster than the United States uh, for most of the last 15 years. Uh, and it can do it indefinitely because with a trade surplus as well, it's not selling its, its bonds to foreigners, and foreigners, if they, are, if they do buy those bonds, are quite happy to be paid in Japanese yen. Now, if the problems arise for countries which are running trade deficits, 
which can't borrow in their own currency. They're the ones who are up, you know, the, the proverbial creek without a paddle. Uh, but when you have a country which is either running a trade surplus like Japan or in America's case, which is unfortunately, and it should not be, is unfortunately the reserve currency for the planet, that you can get away with it indefinitely. So again, we're worrying about the wrong things. Now, Professor Wolf, I mean, when it comes to debt between more developed nations, it really is a delicate balance with a lot of give and take. In some cases, is having ongoing national debt actually healthy? No, in most cases, this is just a kind of continuation of old colonialism and imperialism under a slightly adjusted set of circumstances. Instead of literally carrying the gold out of the country uh, somewhere in Africa, back to Europe or over to the United States, or ripping off the local people to make them work for next to nothing, you are now doing it with loans. You're giving them a loan, you're greasing the wheels of the loan with large amounts of fees and commissions, and I won't even speak about the corruption that is going on on both sides. So you end up with very little of that money going into any kind of long-term progressive economic growth, and so the burden of the debt is not matched by a, a, an ability to pay for it, so it becomes these crazy numbers that Ben just went over. And this is terribly bad for these poor countries already deepens the inequalities in the world and creates political and social instability that we will all be regretting uh, every week and month into the future. And Peter, I want to kind of make a counterpoint here that I think my, you will have a great answer to here because could this global debt issue result, or should it for that matter, result in a destabilization of fiat currency so much that governments and citizens will be forced to actually rely on other means? You often talk about the gold standard. Obviously, on this show, we regularly talk about cryptocurrency as an alternative to fiat. What do you make of all of that? Well, certainly, first of all, you know, while it's true that governments can certainly get away with having too much debt for a while, and, and some, you know, can do it for a long while, no government can do it indefinitely. There's always going to be a, a day of reckoning. But the important thing to, to look at, too, with the debt is why do we have so much debt? I mean, it's not an accident. You have global central banks led by the Federal Reserve keeping interest rates artificially low. And it's because interest rates are artificially low that there's so much debt. And the problem, too, with the debt is that it's not productive. You have individuals borrowing money to buy consumer goods. You have corporations borrowing money to buy back their overpriced stock. You don't have productive debt where we're buying, investing in plant and equipment that is actually generating real income to service and retire the debt. You have this gigantic speculative bubble. You have asset bubbles all over the place. None of this is a byproduct of capitalism. It's all because of the failure to have capitalism. If we had capitalism and sound money, we would have much higher interest rates. We wouldn't have all this debt. We'd have a much more prosperous economy. But to answer your question, yes, all of this is leading to a currency crisis that will begin in the United States as both a sovereign debt crisis and a U.S. dollar crisis. And it will unleash you know, rampant inflation throughout the world. And ultimately, a lot of this debt is going to be inflated away. I mean, the debt can't be paid. And so most governments don't have the integrity to honestly default and it's going to get wiped out through inflation. And then where we go in the aftermath of that 
is difficult to say. But the world is going to go through a very, very difficult period because a lot of these paper, paper wealth is going to get wiped out. So a lot of people that think they have money invested in bonds, you know, government bonds, corporate bonds, whatever they got, they're going to find out they have very little because the purchasing power is going to be eviscerated because the cost of living is going to surge and, you know, they're, they, they're locked into the paper and they don't have any way to pay the higher costs. Now, Steve, what is your response to this? I mean, I know we've talked a lot about the bubbles that are coming up, but, I mean, are we facing a global crisis on the scale that Peter is referencing here? Um, I can't help thinking of what I was told once is the, the way you get punished in an American jail if you're really misbehaving, and that is rather than giving you a plate with the, you know, meat and vegetables and, and stuff on it, they put it in a blender and blend the whole lot together and serve it to you, and apparently it tastes yuck, uh, even though individual units uh, can be quite, quite delicious individually. Uh, Peter's thrown a whole lot of stuff in the blender there, and some of it, yes, is, is a serious worry. Others, no, is not at all the problem. In fact, it's a necessary part of a functioning capitalist economy. We do have too much private debt. Far too much of the debt has been used to speculate on asset prices and not produce productive investment. Uh, that's quite true. Uh, but as for defaults being caused by government debt, the only time that's happened with governments borrow in a currency which is not their own, that's what's caused government defaults. When you look at the last 150 years, there have been roughly 150 financial crises in different countries around the world, and every last one of them has been caused by a private debt collapse. So it's private debt which is the well, problem, government debt which is often the solution. Yeah. Uh, Hyperinflation is going to probably possibly, if it happens, it'll be the courtesy of the supply shocks from the collapse of the global supply chain, not from what's happening with no, other economies. Of, it's because of too much money creation. That's mm. what causes it. It's a loss you of know, confidence but, but it's, 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 it's money. Hey, Peter, if, uh, it's Professor, we'll, yeah, you have the final word here. Yeah, you know, the story that Peter starts with is those low interest rates that enable uh, corporations to borrow. But why start there? Why not ask the question, why the low interest rates? It was a decision of the Fed to which almost everyone agreed that we were on the edges of a disastrous collapse in the, in the dot-com crisis in 2000, again in the Great Recession of 2008, again last year. Interest rates are lowered because you would have the collapse that Peter's talking yeah. about if you didn't do it. The low interest it. rates, but then you stop. Well, let me, let me just finish. When you, when you solve the problem with the money, yeah, you create a new problem that is going to be perhaps even bigger than the old one. But you have to right. solve each problem as it comes no, along. No, we have to go full gen so gentlemen, 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 unfortunately, we are out of time in this show. This is a conversation we will have to continue sometime. All right. Joseph Gifton here, podcasting, understanding the times in which we live today. Uh, the central banks, uh, so basically from that conversation there, you're looking at, uh, you know, we already see prices uh, going up for the most important commodities, gas. Gas prices are not skyrocketing uh, quickly. They're going up slowly. Ever since last year, they've gone up about $1.25. So, uh, and they're continuing to go. So and if you look at uh, food prices, and if you look at all the prices around, uh, look at lumber and everything, steadily going up. So, uh you know, uh, what will they do? Will they create a crisis to get us out of this? Uh, possibly a world war, maybe, more with China, or the Great Reset. They'll switch the currencies. And, uh, but is everybody ready for that? they got to lock us down first. And locking us down through the COVID is probably what they're going to do. 
So, uh, and it's going to be an app you download. We already went over that, all that stuff. So, uh, what the new world order has in plan and store for you for the uh, the uh, downloadable chip and app that uh, will go on your phone, your smartphone, and uh, will con- control your spending and what you buy, where you go, your travel. They're already talking about uh, proposing uh, taxing you by the mile when you drive. That's in the next bill coming up that they're going to pass. So if you want to go to the grocery store, you're going to have to pay by the mile. So uh, all this stuff's coming your way uh, unless they create some sort of crisis. You know? And uh, that's basically what, what's in the horizon here for you. So what are they talking about, really? Um, uh, three, three minutes here, uh, explain it, the Federal Reserve. You know, Money for nothing inside the Federal Reserve. One of the president's most important appointments is chairman of the Federal Reserve. The Fed is the symbol of the integrity of our financial system. And the decisions of the Fed affect the lives and livelihoods of all Americans. I think we're mysterious to people. I think they're not sure what we do. The Fed is a sometimes very independent organization. Every Federal Reserve chairman says one thing and does another. It's a bunch of government workers trying to fix prices. The Fed kept interest rates too low for too long. All of that led to, as you know, a big boom and a big bust. Some of us were writing back then, guys, this is absurd. This can't happen. It's going to end in tears. So we failed to regulate the most important part of our financial system. And I don't think any of us who've ever worked at the Fed take any comfort from the fact that somebody screwed up. But it's important we recognize there were some big mistakes made. Didn't the Federal Reserve system fail? I know my time has run out, but uh, I really fundamentally disagree with your point of view. And I think there is a natural inclination that things are fixed, uh, but things are not fixed. Printing money doesn't produce goods and services. It doesn't hire people. It may seem like the right short-term medicine, but can the cure be worse than the disease in some cases? You know, the way a healthy economy grows is people earn money and they go out and spend it. The way an unhealthy economy grows is people borrow money and they go out and spend it. The United States has consumed more than it's produced for at least a decade. What country, ask yourself, in history can do that indefinitely, forever? Everybody wants to go back and say, things are fine now. Look, we solved our problem. We're just asking for another crisis. This is an experiment. We've never done this before. We've never been here before. The Federal Reserve is really operating by the seat of their pants. You have what degree of confidence in your ability to control this? 100%. How can the dollar be anything except the world's greatest monetary brand, the Coca-Cola money? How could it be anything else but? Well, you just watch. Okay, six five seven three eight three zero six one six. Federal Reserve, uh, you know, spending money. Uh, the money of what will you know? If hyperinflation does kick in, you know, are you prepared? You know, uh, what will you do? Uh, how will you pay for your food? What will you do? I mean, I don't, I don't think that you're going to wake up tomorrow and milk's going to be ten dollars a gallon. I think that it's going to be a gradual increase, and there's going to be a a a, 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 some sort of false flag, something to get get us into a uh, a panic, where the people will demand it. The people will demand 
uh, uh, the, the change. That, that has to be that way. Because they can't force it upon the people here in America. They're, they're trying. They're, they're forcing it upon the people in um, uh, Australia, uh, in all the countries in Europe. But uh, they, 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 I don't think they could. But then, they're, and they're resisting. So, uh, you know, we we've already uh, talked about so many things. Uh, <clears throat> what's going on here? I mean, look at the uh, COVID stuff. You know, what's going on? Uh, what's the truth behind the Southwest? cancellations. Does anybody know about that? That's that situation there. Um, you know, this COVID thing is uh pretty bad. It's pretty uh pretty pretty bad. But um you know here's the the blueprint for citizens to give up their rights and uh, that's about two minutes long. We'll play that one and I'll check the phone line see if anybody wants to call in. Press number one.
move on down the road here. We'll check the phone boards. Okay, I got a private caller, and then I got 251. Private caller, go ahead. You're unmuted. Go ahead. Go ahead, private caller. No. Was that Sarge? Sarge, is that you? No. Going once, going twice. Okay. All right. Okay, private caller. I'll mute you back. I, I, I thought I saw Sarge pop up in here, but he usually calls it a private number. All right, 251. Go ahead. Greetings, Joe. How are you? It's Akshita Veda. It's been a long time since you called into this show. My goodness. That's a strange voice. I know. <laughs> It has been way too long, but, you know, sometimes we got to take a break to get ourselves um, together. Um, can't be worried about everything else when your internal system is uh, down. So you got to get um, yourself right first. Exactly, exactly. How you talking to anybody? You ain't even got yourself together yet. <laughs> yeah, but, um, yeah. I was listening to... I was listening to your show with uh, the Major General Valet, um, and that was a very good show that brought up a lot of good topics that um, can really be broken down into uh, bite-sized chunks to kind of get it. Like the question was asked on the show, like what can we do to, you know, make these things real, you know, uh, these changes that we need to make. And, Basically, um, we have to look at it in steps. You know, if you if you give people too much, it can um, it can scare them. And and people are, in this day and age are busy living in fear rather than, uh, for lack of better terms, uh, walking by faith in uh, in a belief system that's based on principles of morality. You know. And, yeah. and understanding that we the people are the answer to our own problems. Like nobody is coming to save us. Uh, I learned true. a lot about uh, on the last show that you had, um, you know, on the things that's going on um, in New Zealand, Australia, and Canada. And right now we're going through, as we have been, uh, going through the situation with the mass media controlling uh it's a mass media directed manipulation, which is leading the people wrong through programming. And so the reprogram is the reset, and that was spoken on. The reset was spoken on on the last show, you know, and the reset yeah. is possible when we, the people, unite and stand together for a global change, and we've got to make this a reality. So uh, I'm here. I'm listening, and I am in tune to uh, what we're doing and what needs to be done and how we get the people to recognize what's really going on and and really get involved. Uh, and, and also, you know, we had something going involved. there, I think. We, we, you know, when we were all meeting in the Zoom room and talking over the Internet and everything, we were starting to get quite a following, you know, and then it disappeared. Yeah, yeah, but the thing is, is that people are coming with so many different um, ideas, ideology, concepts on how to create this change, and, and all of it is significant. We just have to learn how to put all the ingredients together. You know, um, one of your uh, one of your uh, clips you just played was saying something about 
uh, putting all the ingredients in a blender and mixing them all together when it may not taste so good when it's all mixed together, but more uh, like having it by itself. But then yeah. you can't make a cake without multiple ingredients. So correct. It takes it takes a multitude of people coming from different walks of life to come together and then to understand the uh, concept without arguing. That yes, healthy debate is good because you gain understanding through listening and you gain exposure through speaking. So yep. if, if we're speaking and we're listening, then we're on the right path to seeing some growth and development in the change, and we have to operate in no fear. We cannot be in fear. Well, you think back, I mean, think back to all the all the shows that we've done and the shows that you've called in over the years, all the different people that we've had on. And where are all those people now? Imagine if everybody converged at one time. I mean, some of them aren't with us no more. But, uh, you know, imagine right. if we all converged at one time, you know? Right. Absolutely. And that would take listening. A lot of people want to speak. They want to be heard. But they do not want to listen objectively and then to have understanding. Because based on experience and the way people come through in their experience, it's a process. Everything is a process, and there's no progress without the process. Yeah, yeah. I mean, do you still go over there to that? Do they still? Do you still come on the blog talk shows or uh, at all? Or I know, I know you had the a couple of them there, and then Mandelcom was involved with a few, and then I don't know, I don't see them anymore. You don't see who Mandelcom? No, 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 the blog talk shows that you guys were, you know, involved with. You know, there was many different shows that oh. you guys were calling. You remember you had one there on Sunday nights, I think it was, at 9 p.m.? Yeah, um, that was the, the, that was the uh, hip-hop, I think, uh, you may be talking about. It was um, Nikki Williams at 7 and then the hip-hop show at 9. And honestly, yeah. Joe... I have not been involved in any uh, blog talk communications whatsoever. Uh, like wow. I said, uh, it, it, it has been uh, a little rough for me because I was so accustomed to um, coming through and coming on with MandelaCon. So yeah, uh, yeah. I didn't want to keep on. I didn't want to keep on talking about him um, yeah. and, uh, and and trying to process that whole situation, you know. Uh, I've come through uh, that process so much to where I feel comfortable enough to come on and speak to you again, you know. Um, yeah, I yeah. I was grateful to that was, you know, that, that was a, that was a shocker there in Delicon passing away. That sure was, you know. That certainly yeah, was, that, uh, you know. Yeah, because, the, the, yeah, Blog Talk lost a great voice, um, lost, lost a, a great, uh, mind, but the the beautiful thing about it is that he spent um, the great part of seven or eight years uh, leaving records and documentation for the change that we must see. You know, um, yeah. You know, he based a lot of it on uh, the matriarch 
in class action five, six, seven, and in pain, the Pan African Intelligence Network, uh, because those three as a trinity. Um, when people really uh, open their minds to understand what that really means and what it's all about, it, it, it really what is what is in the Constitution, that we have the right to abolish the government system when it's no longer serving the people that are being governed yeah. by, the, yeah. by the state of our government right now. You know, and... Um, <clears throat> I'm having a real tough issue with uh, this current administration. Um, I don't understand. I, I, what I do, let me tell you what I do understand. What I do understand was the uh, mission and assignment in which they came into office on was to uh, promote the vaccination and to push yep. forward the agenda of COVID-19 and listening to the uh, clip that you were playing previous to this point and on this show, uh, the economic fall has uh, become greater based on this pandemic or pandemic yeah. of COVID-19. And then, you That's know, true. speaking about groceries and, you know, the inflation of prices just across the board and how we're going to, how we are to live and exist. Everything is going up. And so I understand that the the debt that we are currently in in this country, it, they've got to relieve it some kind of way so they're going to get it from the American people. And the crazy thing about it is that they have given all these loans to these companies at payroll loan, so now com- these businesses, agencies, whatever, are operating to under with with funds that have driven the economic debt sky high. That's true. Yeah, it's and done yeah, so by design, and suffering. yeah, yeah. People are still and, and, suffering in the process. Like the people at the lower level, the masses yep. on the ground are suffering, but you don't hear those stories because the media is not carrying those stories. No, the media is so complicit right now, and they don't report on any facts whatsoever. I mean, they're totally gone. Right. You know, I mean, you're not going to get any facts. No, you're not going to get any facts at all because they don't want anyone to um, really understand the change is really within self. And when you change yeah. within yourself and, and you are uh, focused on the local uh, the, the, the local assembly, then that's where your change really happens because yeah. the people that we are at the county level and state level are the ones that are going to push the message of the people. That's so correct. I really like the fact that you called uh, the congressman, uh, and even asking their people to speak on behalf of what what the plan is. You know, yeah. uh, if you're working in the office and you're answering the phone, why can't you answer any questions? Because exactly. the governor is not going to personally come to the phone and speak to a constituent 
on the basis of what their decision is because they don't want to answer any questions. Correct. So to come that, publicly that point very well. speak. Yeah, to speak. So, so, okay, so your questions should have ignited a press conference where the congressman answered your question publicly to the people, not just to you. Yeah, yeah. And that should have happened within a 72-hour time frame. But they don't represent us, and they don't care anymore, you know. Uh, you should have heard the one I did when I interviewed the, in, the health department last month. The long, uh, uh, I think it was Long Beach, California uh, health department talking about the COVID. Oh, boy, they really spewed the truth there. <laughs> I'm boy, COVID is, you know. Yeah, because that's a real issue uh, today, you know, Um is it really necessary to get the vaccination when people are still getting sick with COVID and dying after they have received the shot and and maybe a booster or two? You know That's correct. That's correct. I would stay away you know, from that COVID thing. I would stay totally far, far away from it. Yes. I hate it when people tell me you know, that they have taken it and they've had to take it in order to sustain their livelihood. Oh, I know. Isn't that terrible? You know, it is terrible. Now, we talked about this. This is not a new topic for us. This is not new conversation. This is just the manifestation of those things in which we saw coming ahead of time trying to warn the people, but... When you speak like that, people want to say you're crazy and they don't want to listen to you, and then you get the, the trolls that come on who are Yeah, crazy. oh, yeah, oh, yeah, you know about them. <laughs> yeah, you know, they're real. They're yes, real. They are. You know, you don't think that a government that is so corrupt is not going to have people in place that are going to um, seek out those who are speaking for change, who are who are speaking the truth about what's really going on to to gain awareness at the ground level. It's a a matter of getting to the people so the people can understand what's going on. And so um, I like like what Major General uh, Paul Valley was speaking on in his position even at the age of 82. He's still gone. I know. He's still God bless him for that, that man. I tell you, that's good. I'd like to be going. I'd like to have his strength at eighty-two. <laughs> no, for real. And then he's standing yeah. strong on principles that you wouldn't assume that he would be yeah. standing on because of his rank and position in which he held, not only yeah. in the armed forces but outside of the armed forces. And then to create something, the Stand Up America Foundation. I like like that. I'm going to actually look into that because what he was saying was to have American patriots. Now, we we talked about this before, an alliance with one another to create, you know, the guard for the people. That's right. And that's what we need. Yeah, but it's up to the people. It's up to the people. It is up to the people. And the common person is not – it, well, I'm not going to say they're not 
But what I'm going to say is if, if you wouldn't volunteer to go into the armed forces under the auspicious that you were protecting and serving, you know, and defending from domestic and foreign terrorists, then how likely is it that you're going to stand up for yourself? Now, I'll tell you something. Those ones who have been standing are the ones who have been demonized and criminalized for having well-regulated militias, which is their constitutional right, but because they have been demonized and criminalized by the government system, then they're they're seen as irrelevant on a, a grander scale of exactly. And I'm speaking exactly. and I'm speaking on street gangs. Yeah, street gangs came about in order to protect their community. And that's and true. And they did it in the best way that they possibly could. So what the government did was drop some uh, drop some uh, agents inside, infiltrators inside, and created this drug epidemic. That's correct. In which they have documented and recorded, but we don't know how to read. We don't we don't we don't know how to interpret and understand what has really taken place. Especially when crack hit the scene. Now you got all oh, kinds God, of other yeah. stuff. You know, now we got all kinds of other things that are just making zombifying people. So now we got zombies and then they have created this era of zombieism that is now Acceptable. We That's accept correct. zombies now. And then we took out mental health. The mental health uh, crisis is real. There is, and then so this um this H I wanted to talk to you about this this HR fifty four six nine. Yeah. I haven't looked it up. I just uh, from the previous show looked. You know, think, you know, know I need to look into this now, but I see that it's addressing racial and ethnic mental health disparities for youth, particularly youth of color and other purposes. Now, I'm not quite understanding. Um, well, what, what it's doing is, is it's educating the. It, what it's going to do is it's educating the people. It's demonizing. It's kind of like that critical race theory, you know. It's okay. demonizing. It's demonizing, and that's how they're going to combat the mental health of the, uh, I guess you want to say, the minority community, like they want to call it in the bill, you know. And what that's going to do is okay, further divide so, the people. Okay, then. So I'm not misunderstanding what it is that I just what I was looking at, right? No. This no. Is, this is this is not for the betterment of our youth. Oh no. Because. Because we now we're trying to, you know, mandate our children to have this vaccination in order to attend the public school system. I think we need to just get rid of the public school system altogether, honestly. Because see, they're talking I, about. I kind of got to agree with you there. 
you know, they, 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 okay, so now here's a, a recent issue that I have become aware of. They're trying to get funding for education, for the education system, which will create the avenue for the quote-unquote so on uh, necessity to have the children vaccinated because they're already operating in fear. So we want you to keep your job so your children can stay indoctrinated into the school system. So then in order for them to get this indoctrination, we must manipulate their system because yours has been manipulated. And then let these children start getting sick in school. I'm sorry for you parents out there. I'm going to apologize early in the game. So you know Ashita Veda has already apologized to you for the lack of knowledge thereof. Because when your child becomes sick in that school system, they're going to quarantine them. Yep. Away from the parent where you cannot get to them. Now, this is where that separation of family is going to get real sick. They've already begin, They've already quarantined people inside of hospitals where you don't know what's going on. You can't go in and see anything, know about whatever is going on with their health care at all. And people have died in this process. That's right. And a lot of it has been based on an unhealthy lifestyle. Yeah. So we've been depending on the government. Immoral, unhealthy lifestyle, that's correct. Yeah, we have been depending on the government for our food and everything that we need to live and survive. Now, once this economy shuts down and nothing is available anymore, what what are the people going to do? They're not prepared for that. I know. The people know. on a on a mass level are not prepared for economic fall right now. Well, that's Especially what I was playing in the beginning. That, that's what I was trying to money. demonstrate. Is that they're saying you that the hyperinflation is going to kick in? You have done a yeah. great job in demonstrating it, and you have done a great job at getting other people who are familiar with this concept and process to come on and speak on it. So I commend yeah. you, and, you know, on, on all of that. You know what I'm saying? So um, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, hey, but look, I you can't be beat that. We had the top brass of the military on here, you know, United States uh, Army, <laughs> retired Army general. I mean, you know, the only – the only he actually is the only general of two that uh, uh, stood on Syrian soil, commanded the uh, U.S. troops on uh, Syrian soil. So that was uh, pretty big. That was a big part of his – end of his career there. So, uh, but, uh, yeah, that was wow. – uh, you know, you can't get if, – if that guy's telling you 10 more months, things don't look good, I would say he kind of knows, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah, but it's been about that long since this administration has been in operation. They haven't even occupied the White House. Yeah. Since they've been uh, This administration, I don't I – don't, I, I just don't get what – I just don't understand why they allowed something like this Biden to get in. I just don't get it. I mean – Biden ran for president and vice vice president you know, his entire life, you know, and now right here at the end when he's, when he's lost his mind, he gets in. It makes no sense. You know, it really doesn't. Well, it, it makes sense to a government that um, is corrupt and tyrannical 
and wants to have control because it's not really the president that's in control. The president is a puppet, and that's why Trump was such a major issue in the presidency because he was not a puppet because he came in on his own money. He didn't need anything from the government. The only thing Trump was doing was trying to awaken the people for this change that was coming, and they did everything to demonize him. No, he's not perfect, but I want you to show me one person that is. What he was was honest. Yeah. What he was was real. And somebody put in the chat room. Someone, someone put in the chat room. Eighty-one million think he is the man for America. Uh, well, I don't know if it's eighty-one million. I think that number. I don't think there was eighty-one million registered Democrats in this country. I think there was only more like sixty million. You know. But well, uh, they, you know, we know there was fraud. <laughs> so. Well, nonetheless, on the statistics and the numbers, the point of the matter is, is that uh, he did make a great difference. Um, although people are starting to see that now, late in the game, yeah, you know, um, and that's the sad part. Most times when someone is um, revolutionary and standing against uh, a tyrannical government in the seat of, a, of the president, uh, that's a tough job to have. Yeah, and, and I think, I think, yeah, he was, yeah, you're right. I think, uh, you know, now people are regretting. They're saying, well, maybe we should have stuck with Trump, you know? Yeah. Did you did you know that he was actually campaigning for 2024? That's what that's what uh, has been said. That's the, the, the information that he will run again. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I he, think he's he, really depending he on the uh, midterms. He's going to be in Iowa this week, I believe. Yeah, I think it's kind of, you know, another thing, too, about Biden is, is uh, somebody pointed out in the chat room there, it's hard to believe that Biden had more votes than Obama, you know? <laughs> uh, right. Well, you know? I don't, I don't even understand. Numbers, so. Yeah. The fact uh, that the Biden just... was in the Obama administration means that he was going along with everything that was happening in those eight years. Yeah, that, yeah. you know, was detrimental to our society, period. Yeah. You know, there was a lot well, you know, Sarah still calls into the show once in a while. Well, Sarah, Sarah calls in once in a while. You know, but for the most part, most of the people that uh, were for part of that Zoom conference there, uh, I don't hear from Mark anymore. John Son disappeared. We know, of course, Mandelicon passed away. Uh, you know, we know what happened to Barry. Uh, you know, and everyone else, uh, Adam, and that, Adam calls in here sometimes. But other than that, for the most part, everybody's scattered abroad, you know. Yeah, a lot of things changed, um, and uh, Mandela Khan and I had really broken away from the group because there was no progression. Uh, that was one of the last things um, that we had agreed upon, and so this is a part of the reason why I'm not active in those groups because if I look back through my database, and, and see the change that took place in all those years, because there was years of communication in those groups, and nothing, nothing came about it besides argument and yeah. debate, because everyone had their own individual ideas and concepts. So at that level, it's difficult. So I'm understanding, and I don't even have to imagine 
the difficulty that it's going to take to get the masses of people to understand. So this is why I'm so very interested in Stand Up America Foundation because yeah. it's, uh, it's around veterans who understand the political standpoint from a soldier's perspective. Yeah, and uh, it's pretty good. Uh, and, and I like what the general said. You know, the the it's got to start locally. The local assemblies have to get together locally in their you know in their in their county, cities, and uh, towns. You know, and you got to start your local groups and uh, and uh, right. you know get back to so you know for something. If we start with that, there's a vet in every state. There's a veteran in every city, no matter how big, how small. Yeah. There is a veteran somewhere that that can speak, that's not afraid to stand up for something because you've already stood. That's correct. That's correct. They already paid. Yeah, they already sacrificed. And those veterans have friends family, loved ones that also they can communicate with to kickstart a local assembly to get it done. And so That's if, right. if this foundation has already been created, activated, in motion, why are we not knowing about it? Now, this is my first time hearing about this. You get what I'm saying? So yeah. now, now, now I have a job. I have a mission to look into it and research and then to speak about it and get other people to become aware of this movement and then get involved. There you go. There you go. And uh and do the same yeah, promote it. Uh, stand up America. You're absolutely correct. It's uh it coincides with the Constitutional Sheriffs to uh, Association uh around the country. And it's all about starting local assemblies and the people bringing the people together locally and uh getting together. Look, even if it's on a Saturday once every month, you know, one, once a month on a Saturday everybody meets 2 300 people, 500 people, 600 people. It grows. You only need 2000, you know. Uh, imagine if you had 2000 in each county. No, not what you can do, the political power and might you'd have, you know, the oversight you'd have, you know. So, uh, you know, and it can be done. You know, we can get, we can get, you can get 60,000 people uh, to a football game on a Sunday in stadiums across right. the country. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't see why it should be so hard, you know. Well, first of all, because that's a game. It's not real. And the people who yeah. are watching ain't out there getting hit. Got that right. They don't that's feel right. the brunt of the hit that's being that's happening on the field. They just watching, yeah. and so the people are so used to watching the action on a, a field of play rather than participating in the actions to make a real change. That's true. You're absolutely correct on that. You know, but the uh, Federal Reserve there, the economy crashing. And hyperinflation kick in again, and that's huge. You know, that's uh, that's that's really huge. And uh, you know, people need to pay attention. But hey, I appreciate the phone call here tonight. I really do. It's been a good podcast. Absolutely, thank you. All right, all right, Archibald, take care. And uh, yeah, we'll be getting ready to wrap it up here a little bit earlier tonight. But uh, hey, it was a good podcast. Uh, we covered a lot of ground and uh, covered a lot of material. Anybody else want to check, check in? They can six five seven three eight three zero six one six. Press the number one.
If not, uh, we'll be wrapping it up. And, uh, hey, good conversation tonight, uh, good caller, and uh, it's been a great show. So uh, understand the times what you live today. I feel like this all the time trying to politically awaken people that they're being lied to, that there's an agenda. It's not left or right. It's, hey, there's mind control going on. The signals broadcast 24 hours a day through all this media. Just become aware of it, and they'll say, there's nothing going on. And I want to say, put on these glasses or start chewing concrete. have taken the hearts and minds of our leaders. They have recruited the rich and the powerful, and they have blinded us to the truth. The question is, do we all work for central bankers? That's what I want to address to our guests tonight. Our impulses are being redirected. We are living in an artificially induced state of consciousness that resembles sleep. An estimated 50 to 70 million Americans suffer from a sleep disorder or sleep deprivation. Outside the limit of our sight, feeding off us, perched on top of us from birth to death, are our owners. Latest census numbers prove the United States has the biggest gap between rich and poor compared to all westernized countries today. Our projections show that by the year 2025, not only America, but the entire planet will be under the protection and the dominion of this power alliance. The gains have been substantial, both for ourselves and for you, the human power elite. And for the first time in all of human history, mankind is politically awakened. That's a total new reality. I've got one that can see. We can't be the only ones who can see. Unfortunately, you've grown up hearing voices that incessantly warn of government as nothing more than some separate sinister entity that's got at the root of all our problems. It's a new morning in America. Fresh. Hey, everybody. It was a good uh, podcast here tonight. I appreciate everybody that uh, participated and listened in. Um, now, I don't know if there'll be a show tomorrow night or not, but uh, usually I've been on the NSM uh, platform also uh, doing a show there Friday night, so go over there and listen to me on Friday nights. I go over there on to their platform over there and uh, do a podcast show usually, and uh, Friday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Anyway, I'll play one more, and then that's it. Good night. God bless the Republic.
314, go ahead. You got something you want to add to the podcast? 314. Hey, that was quick. What's going on? <laughs> I saw where you called, so I figured I'd give you a chance here. I had Ashavada on here earlier. Uh, what's going on, man? I haven't heard from you in a while. Well, I listened to the show where you were explaining some of the things that happened to you. <clears throat> but, uh, Oh yeah, be around. Like you know, uh, something else, huh? I've been arguing with people about this mass shooter in Texas. This kid, eighteen-year-old. Yeah, what's going on in with the that? school? Yeah, what happened? Uh, uh, well, it was a, a bunch of bull yeah, crap. I think that was on when I was, was listening to the other day on the conservative podcast. Take, tell me about it. Well, apparently, the way the story goes is that this young black student. Mr. Simpson, I think his name was. He went to school and got in a fight with, he's 18, got in a fight with a 15-year-old. And I guess the 15-year-old was beating him up. And he went and got a gun out of his backpack and shot Simpson four times, but shot four other people, well, three other people. So he was a sore loser. He was mentally yeah. distraught because he got beat up and picked, you know, and he didn't like that. So he decided to shoot everybody else. Right. Well, see, it don't stop right there. These are things I look for. First, the fake news in the story didn't give his skin color. So right then and there, I knew he was black. Then it goes on and talks about, you know, several different outlets about that. uh, Apparently, this has been going on for quite some time. So I asked, well, why come the parents didn't get involved with the situation? And nip it in the bud. Yeah. Also, he goes to jail, gets out on a $75,000 bond, comes home, and they throw a big welcoming party for him. Waiting oh, for Lord. Him. Now, if my head was on your shoulders, because <laughs> it would look kind of funny, I got all <laughs> things going on in my mind. The first thing comes to my mind is Kyle Rittinghouse. Well, wasn't he being bullied and threatened with bodily injury with the with with blunt instruments like skateboards and guns? Yeah, he picked on you. So, why is Kyle got a bail? What about a million dollars? And when the police gave him water, all hell broke out across the country, talking about how well he's being treated because he's white. Well, this kid got a party when he came yeah. home. And a, and a $75,000 bond now I'm looking at, right? Yeah. $75,000 bond. Can you believe that? Can you believe Listen. Uh, well, How about this one? How about this one, Bianchi? How about this one? I had a $45,000 bond for sending a text message. <laughs> yeah. You know, you yeah. got to laugh at this It ain't really yeah. funny, but you have to laugh Plus this 18-year-old kid is driving a $30,000 charger He's got a diamond earring in the left ear And got, I guess, his grill with gold teeth in his lower jaw Now, of course, that has nothing to do with it But yeah. he surely ain't po- He's not coming from a poverty-stricken condition yeah, he's got a good support system. 
You know, he's got a good support. He has a family network like most other kids don't have in the inner city, you know. So this kid well, does I don't know that, about you know? that. I don't know about that because somebody told me his mama was in jail and don't know where his father's at. But oh, okay. anyway, why is a gun laying around not protected or locked up so a child can't get a hold of it? Yeah, yeah. We you don't see how like these questions, the day. When, when, you have a, when you have a white suspect, all these questions come out. Dale and Roos, the police took him to the Burger King. Well, this kid get a big oh, party. Oh, I remember that. Home. Oh my lord, yeah. It was it was rapture. Rapture was about ready to happen when that went down, right? Remember that? I mean, oh. Am I the only one to notice this? No, I think what it is is you're the only one that probably speaks out about it because everyone else just sees it and they don't say nothing about it. You know, they're just complacent with it. I, I, you know, it pisses me off, and I've just beat the subject so far into the ground so many times already. I remember the Trayvon Martin shooting, you know, when that was, I remember talking about that, taking flack for that, you know, with George Zimmerman, he wasn't even white. <laughs> he was Hispanic. No, he know? wasn't I mean, white, but, you, but here's the thing. You know what I taught my children, and most families probably do the same thing. When you're on the street and you're being followed by a stranger in a peculiar way, Run home or run to a house, knock on the door, or run to a store. Or call I mean, 911 you on your cell phone, right? Did, did you teach your children? Well, you know, we didn't have cell phones when I was a kid. Oh, well, yeah, I'm talking about, you know, well, we didn't have shootings like that either back when you were a kid, right? I know, you know? I know what you're saying. But, uh, and no, you don't circle around and try to fight an adult and. You're talking to a, a lady, a young lady on the phone, and describing the adult as a creepy cracker. That tells a lot, yep. too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's a, that's terrible. I mean, that's that's a All that is a very is what... very offensive term, actually. To believe it or not, I mean, to 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 to, to do that. I mean, that's that right there should be uh, worse than the N word sometimes. I mean, I would think, you know, I mean, it's just, it, 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 it's foul language and it shows your educational level when you use language like that, you know, the N word and the, and the cracker word, you know, it just shows how, well, you know how they came up with the cracker word, don't you? The cracker word. I heard it was from, from the cracking of the whip. That's what there I heard. You and that's yeah, what they, absolutely. you know, they that's used what to call I the master's too. cracker. Yeah. But, and so I don't know why someone would be proud to call somebody that or, or would use that in a, in a uh, term because, you know, you're basically calling, you know, that person a, a slave master, you know. <laughs> I don't know. You know, it's I got another stupid. argument, too. Apparently Columbus birthday is, uh, Columbus Day is coming up. Yeah, today. And people it was talking. today, and they don't celebrate yeah. it in North Carolina. You know that? It's not celebrated. All schools and courts were open today. Well, see, here's the thing. They want to call Columbus a killer and genocider and so forth and so forth and so forth. Here's the thing. And they talk about he didn't discover anything and that uh, he was lost, was supposed to have been going to India. There's several things there that people don't put forth. One, if he was lost, it was because of his black navigators, the Nino brothers. Yeah, and he was Italian, right? Columbus was Italian, correct? No, I say he was Spanish. But I Oh, okay, okay. All right, I thought he was Italian. Okay. Well, whatever. If you can't see you want to throw and call 
Columbus, you hear black groups saying, call Columbus a racist and so on and so on. Well, as he was lost, it was because of his navigators who was black. So don't they get some kind of credit for him being in the wrong place? Another fact. To say he brought genocide to this part of the hemisphere is totally misleading because the Aztecs was killing big time before they even met Columbus, doing sacrifices and every other thing to other groups like the Taino and the Mayans. Even before what we call Native Americans came, who they fought the the indigenous people. They don't talk about that. Oh, I know. Everyone acts like the Indians were like these uh, angels uh, in America that just roamed the continent and were just good old people that just, you know, and when they saw somebody new or different, they come on into our teepee and, uh, you know, and they just were welcoming and uh, they healed the sick. Man, they were scalping people, chopping their heads off quicker than, (laughs) you know, I mean, which which was the way of life. And taking your heart out while it was still beating them, they got that from the Aztecs. They got that from the Aztecs because they done that. And one accountant said they killed something like 80,000 in a short period of time and threw them off that pyramid that's famous off the side of it. Yeah, I don't think that number could be because 80,000, figure, calculate that and, and go back to that time. That's quite a bit of people, you know. Well, it, it, it went on for a while. Well, you, yeah. well, you okay, think that's something. Calculate, time, tackle, ta- calculate between the uh, Hutus and the uh, in Rwanda. Oh, Lord, millions. They, Millions, you know. I mean, that's just in a short period of time. Yeah, and they didn't have guns; they were chopping. Oh, terrible, terrible! The innocent life that's lost. You know, you think about it—the women and children—that just for no reason. You know, I mean, just savagery. I mean, it's you know, I just can't grasp it in my mind. The murder, especially you just brought that up there. I watched documentaries on that and uh, did some research on that about oh, I don't know, five, six, mm-hmm. seven years ago. And the numbers are staggering. You know, I mean, it's terrible. When I when I talked to that machine gun uh, preacher guy or whatever, that uh, children, uh, he's uh, you know they made a movie about him and everything and whatnot. I talked to him. Uh, on the phone, and he was telling me about the uh, Coney. What was his name? Coney? That guy over there, Coney? That uh, guy there that was just uh, doing mass genocide, he, killing killing people? Uh, yeah, I can't think of his name. Coney, I know who you're talking about, yes. Yeah, and, and he was and telling child me soldiers and everything else. Oh, and he believed that he got mm-hmm. his power from I met a child soldier. I met a guy who really? was a child soldier coming out of the area, yeah. Matter of fact, he's serving the United States. He, he's African American, but he joined the U.S. Army. Wow! And uh, yeah, and uh, they get him at a young age, and uh, they force him to serve and be loyal. And uh, it's terrible. They have no childhood whatsoever. And well, uh, you know what that is? Brutal. That's human beings. Human beings, no matter what the color of their skin, things that human beings have and probably will continue to do things. It's not uh, delegated to no one particular skin color, but here in the United States, the yeah. way it's going out, they try to blame white folks for every day going yeah. thing. Yeah. It's just like and this why uh, holiday why coming is that up. now, you think? Why is that? They, that it's because the Democrats, are, uh, Democrats are grasping for straws, and they are letting things uh, that they didn't pay no attention to, they're using it. They need it now. And they yeah, these groups. And see, but the that, news, the white, like this critical race theory, 
where yeah. it's lopsided. I take take Kwanzaa for instance. I don't know if you let your kids celebrate Kwanzaa, but I mine wouldn't. And you know no, why? They don't even because know what it the is. founder <laughs> wait a minute, the founder was a felon and he tortured black women. He hung them up, stripped them naked, beat them and put lit cigarettes to their body. Well oh. they don't tell nobody that. Ron Karenga. Oh, and what was the purpose of that now? Burning cigarettes on the I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is that like yeah, when you get an extra know. stocking in your gift? I mean, in your uh, stock. I mean, an extra gift in your stocking. I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, look, they talk purpose? about they talk about Thomas Jefferson and his affairs with Sally Hemings. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, he took yeah. her to France and she didn't escape. But they don't yeah. talk about Elijah Muhammad of the Nation of Islam and his impregnating women, a young girl, in his uh, office there. Where you was? I don't believe any of the rumors. To be honest with you, I think I think that ain't no rumor. Then, that's true. <laughs> you think it is? You really do? Yeah, yeah. It's I don't true. Know. You know what? I wasn't there. You know, and 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 you know darn well, Bianchi, that I can tell a story about you here on Blog Talk Radio, and then pass it along to Sarge, pass it along to uh, Archibald, then pass it to Bert. And then, you know, and by the time it, get, you know, as it went down the line, by the time it got back to you, man, just imagine 20 years from now what that story could be, you know? Well, <laughs> I mean, the thing is, the DNA don't lie. I mean, they use that to get people out of jail and put them into jail. But anyway, okay, yeah, I just yeah. want to run, I just want to tell you some of the obstacles that I have to fight through sometimes. Well, I'm just <laughs> okay. merely trying to tell the truth. That's all. Yeah, yeah. And it's a shame. Why has it got to be that way? Well, it's a shame you know? all up and down. They got this uh, colonel in the military that came out and, and wanted to hold I his. I see the other caller uh, on the line. I'll get to you. I'll get to you in one minute. He wanted to hold. He want, he came out and revealed what he revealed. Wanted to hold his higher uh, authorities accountable, and now they put him in the brig. That's a bunch of bull crap. But those are things you got to fight against. Yeah, and, 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 and there's always going to be something to stand up and fight against. That's true. Let me bring out another caller here. Uh, join the Absolutely. conversation. Three two, three two zero, three two zero. Welcome to the show. Hey, Joe, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Oh, there's a familiar voice. That's an old voice there. Not old, not old. You know, you know what I mean. <laughs> yes, it is. Hi, how are you? I missed the first part of your show. So what's going on? I'm just listening here. Oh, it's called Understanding the Times in which we live today. We we started out talking about the Federal Reserve. I had Archiveta on here, and uh, we started talking about the Federal Reserve and the hyperinflation kicking in. Uh, and uh, basically, uh, I was getting ready to wrap up the show, and of course, like they always do, people want to get in right at the end. So uh, I extended it a little bit longer, and uh, I know you sent me a video, correct, to play. I haven't played that because I was waiting for you to cue in. Uh, explain that, if you don't mind, or if you want to talk about anything you want, go ahead. Okay, so everybody is, has all these different, what they say is conspiracies about family court systems. Well, there is an actual video that has been released publicly that has caused 31 judges to recuse themselves in Missouri, I think it is. I'm not, I sent you the article, Joe, but um, it's a real yeah, deal yeah, yeah. that they are kids through family courts. It's a real deal. And it's not just... Well, I got the video right here, actually. 
Yeah, you should play that live and let people hear at least the audio. And, you know, if anybody want to request it, send it to them. Yeah. Send them yeah. the video. Uh, it's only three minutes long. So, uh, yeah, let me play that and then maybe get some comments on that. We'll do that. Let's play that. It's uh, three minutes. It's four minutes and ten seconds long. We'll play that and uh, see what people have to say about that. And then you can comment because you know more about it than I do. So let me play that and uh, see what we got.
another word of mouth, or these that are not here, email check to Greg. Yeah, I think that way we know, if we would know then, that means somebody's approached us about it, or we heard about it through somebody, it gives us more control. I agree.
Well, they, we saw it with Oath Keepers. We saw it with the Oath Keepers, Stuart Rose. We saw how they tore that organization apart. You know, a uh, very strong backbone uh, militia organization of peace officers, veterans, and whatnot that came together and just united to stand up and, and say, we vow never to obey unlawful, unconstitutional orders. And look what they did there. You know, I mean, uh, the three percenters, look what they did to them. You know, they're they're racist hate groups now. Uh, you know, uh, look what they're doing. They're they're dividing and secluding and conquering. And they and they're doing a damn good job of it because you want to know why? Because we are in our comfort zones and we have a lot to lose. I have my career to lose. I have my retirement to lose. I have my, you know, whatever have you. Look what they did to me just two weeks ago. Kidnapped. <laughs> Kidnapped. Beaten. Tied down. You know? I mean, and the story goes on and on you know, without uh, saying too much more. People should have been marching up and down past the jail on your Where case. were they? I don't know. I Only two patriots came to my aid. Two patriots had to drive from another state. 900 miles away to get a court order to get me out of there because I posted $45,000 in bond and they still wouldn't let me out you know it's insane and you just text a message this other kid gets out on yeah. assault after he don't shot four people it should have been attempted murder a message about my kid <laughs> You know, but I have a no contact order from from a you know protective what it is, order Joseph? that expired already. Joseph, you got the wrong skin color. That's what the problem is. <laughs> I think maybe you're right. You ain't you black, know? Joseph. <laughs> I just don't think. I can imagine if I was black. Yeah, BLM would have been burning down. Oh the hell, they would have had out. hamburgers for you and Arizona tea and every other well, damn thing. But the, the, the battle's not over, that's for sure. You know, there are big things on the horizon here that I can't get into. So, uh, lawful, lawfully, by the way. Joe. Yeah. Joe, one more beef I have, okay? So, you can bring refugees into this country, but yet you can't fucking dock our fucking shipments at the port and bring in our fucking food? Yeah, I know. I know. I know. I know. I That's know. another bunch of bullcrap. Some need to be uh, looked at. What's going on with yeah. that? Yes. You know, the proper procedure is that they do stop offshore. Then a U.S. pilot goes in and pilots the ship into the berth. <clears throat> they pilots it back out when the ship gets ready to leave. He comes on back to shore, but uh, there's something going on there. I know. I know. I know. I know, I know. What can we do? What can we do? I got another private caller here who wants to jump in. It's maybe uh, Sarge here. So go ahead there, private caller. I was trying to get you earlier, but I don't know if that was you or not. Go ahead, private caller. Oh, that's okay, man. I've been enjoying the conversation. Uh, All right, Sarge. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, man. Good to hear Pianchi and and your other caller. Good to hear you, Sarge. Yeah. I just since ain't, I know ain't much time left. I just like to hit some headlines, uh, fill you in on what's been going on in case you missed it. These are just headlines. I'm not going to go into a great deal of detail unless you want to. Sure, sure. Uh, there's an outfit 
that's led by a gentleman with dual citizenship. He's got dual U.S. and Mexican citizenship. His name is Irenio Mujiaca. He's the leader of an outfit called Pueblo Sin Fronteras. That's Spanish for people without borders. He said there's 60s leading an army of 60,000 illegal aliens, mostly Haitians, and they're at the border preparing to come. This is going to be down here in about 14 or 16 days, going to be the border of the United States. And they say, he said this. This is what he said in the press conference today. Him and his caravan of illegals are ready for war, and they will reach the United States with or without the consent of government standing in their way. Excuse me. He said we're leaving in 20 days. We prefer to march with travel papers, but with papers or without papers, we are ready for war. If the National Guard comes and they are cowardly enough to beat women and children, let them prepare because God's hand is with us. Just letting you know. Now, next I got to say, let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. And you know what that means, don't you? No. What's going on with that? You ever heard about that? It's becoming a no. meme, man. I thought you'd be in on it. Look no, at the Sarge, I've been so busy, man. I'm telling you, I'm not in tune oh, right now. Oh, you got to hear candy. about this because it's starting to catch on like wildfire. Wildfire. There was a NASCAR okay. race. The winner of the NASCAR race, his first name is Brandon. I forget his last name. But he's being interviewed by a lefty sports reporter woman. And, I mean, you know, okay. she's got her headphones on. I don't know, maybe. Or maybe she couldn't face what was actually being said. But while okay. she's interviewing it, the crowd in the background is doing the fuck Joe Biden. Okay, okay. Fuck Joe Biden. <laughs> and she says and she says to the guy she's interviewing, the guy named Brandon, well, listen to the crowd back there. They're saying, let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. <laughs> <And> <laughs> due to this uh, uh, either misapprehension of what was actually said or her refusal to acknowledge what was being said, it's now become a meme and a substitute, uh, a, a, um, a wholesome substitute for fuck Joe Biden. And people now, when they want to say fuck Joe Biden, instead they're just saying, let's go Brandon. Got so anyway, you, got you. Okay. So anyway, well, check, look into it, you'll see it's kind of funny. And it's starting to really catch on across the country. Uh, okay. Superman just came out as a bisexual. Just thought you ought to know. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> um, Trump, Donald Trump has demanded in a recent video, Justice Ashley Babbitt, the New York governor just signed legislation in New York that uh, makes it a crime to threaten to expose an illegal alien for being here illegally. What? Um, um, uh, and by calling it a, another form of abortion. You can't make this yeah. stuff up. And I'm making it up. Well, actually, in a way, I, I kind of agree with her. In a way, I kind of agree with her because I say you shouldn't threaten them. You should just turn them in for being illegal aliens. But I we think know you what should arrest about. them. I know. Arrest well, them and you shouldn't take them threaten them with, with exposure. You yeah, should you just do a citizen arrest on them. Yeah, you should just yeah. report them to ICE. Don't threaten them. No, report you don't need to report them. We need to bring them into custody, arrest them, and, and bring them into citizen's their arrest. Asses. But, but we know the reason she did it is to protect them, not to make it, not to make it more likely people oh, will report. Okay. You know, anyway, here's the thing. Anyway, but 
Yeah. All the illegals here that, that, that make money and, and acquire assets and need to be forfeited, need to be seized. They're not supposed to be working. Yeah, Therefore, they not being able beyond. to acquire. Fake paper money, yeah, fake bonds. You know, no, you seizing their houses. You seizing their cars. Don't they do that to drug dealers? As long as they're yeah, in yeah. current power, it will not happen. They've got to be gotten rid of. They are, look, yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it can be done at a state level. Biden it can be do done at a state level, charge. supposed to do to stop the invasion of the United States. He will simply not do anything to stop it. Only the state of Texas and maybe the state of Arizona will do anything to attempt to stop these people from just bull rushing the border. Well, that should and be a criteria. Finally, yeah, and finally, the inmates at Rikers fed up with COVID restrictions and mandates have seized control of Rikers Island in New York. Oh wow! That's well, you know what I you heard what I told Joseph the stuff he went through. If he was black, he wouldn't have went through it. Oh, of course not. <laughs> of course. Not. Well, I might have went through it, but the same results would they, not have happened. You know, yeah, they, they would have gave you. I'm not tell you that much. They would have gave you Arizona tea and some Kentucky Fried Chicken. You wouldn't have had to suffer <laughs> like that. Yeah, well, yeah, I'd, they be, I'd be doing interviews on Good Morning them, America. I know that much. <laughs> you know? <laughs> You've been with I mean, a Whoopi Goldberg. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, that, that, if it had been a minority. I tell you what, I got to go for a CAT scan. I got to go for a CAT scan tomorrow and Friday. That's how bad this situation is for me, health-wise. You know, I mean, I, I mean, I'm, uh, you know. <laughs> Just trying to get back into shape now. I mean, you go. I didn't know how well, bad you know, it took from back in my days. I'm getting older. I guess I'm being. I'm turning into an old man. But I tell you, you go two <laughs> weeks without movement, man. I was. I started, you know, dropping weight and uh, got weak. I mean, I'm, I'm not. I guess I'm getting to be well, an old man. Well, you were traumatized, you know? man. You don't even sound the same to me. It's a whole lot of stuff that's wrong with you. You're serious. And you well, said the right remember, thing remember, earlier. Remember, remember, remember now what you got to do because you know you got to look forward. Look, I think all of us, if we're ever going to take uh, active participation in the, in the counter-revolution against this stuff that's going on now, we're going to anticipate getting locked up. What you need to do is put together a basic fitness program you can do in a jail cell, and you do that regularly in the jail cell. Yeah, how Many do you do people who got down? locked up were able to stay fit just within the confines of a jail cell, even in solitary confinement. We need a George yeah. Soros to bail us out of jail, too. That's what we need. Yeah, but then there was no bail. There was no bail. I posted bail. Well, bail was posted for me, $45,000. You know? Nothing, and you know, I'm going to tell you something else, Joseph, and you said earlier. You know, white folks have got to get up off their ass and take oh, their I know. back. Oh, I know. They're all and, and, and I hate to know? say it like this, but black folks can't. It ain't enough of me and Sarge. And the yeah, ones that, that do, they are more scared to say something. Whites yeah. have got to get off their ass and take this yes. country back. And whites are so two-faced. They are two-faced. You know, and they're backstabbers. You know, I mean, there has to be loyalty. And they're so damn anal, retentive, and pertussive. You know, you put your peanut butter in my chocolate. No, you're talking to my peanut butter. It's the same damn but, thing, uh, asshole. You know? Yeah, well, we got to understand, though, Joe, white people, I think, have been subjected to the most unrelenting barrage of propagandistic brainwashing and indoctrination heretofore ever seen in the United States of America. What's going on today in an attempt to make 
turn white people into the most self-hating bunch of people is something I've never seen. In fact, I just got through putting together a list of all the times in history where white people were victims of the same sort of thing they say Columbus did to Native Americans when he came to the United States by the Mongols, the Persians, and others. I put together a list of it. You know, Spain and France, you know, when the Muslim armies invaded Spain, uh, you know what happened to the Roman Republic when the Carthaginians invaded uh, Sicily in the Punic Wars? And all these We act as though the only barbarities ever committed in history were done by Europeans against other peoples. It just ain't true. There's all history out there that people are just ignoring. Oh, man, we yeah. The Aztecs, was, we know the truth. Aztecs was killing big time before Columbus even got here. And if Columbus was lost, you got to blame it on his black navigator, the Nino brothers. <laughs> well, well, look at what the Mongols did in Europe, in Eastern Europe, for God's sake. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, I, I, look, we can talk about, we know the history. We don't have to get into that. But we got to talk about the future. Yeah, but a lot of people what's don't. The, what's the future? A lot of people don't have no idea of the history of the world of people oppressing other people. It is a constant. They wouldn't believe human. you. Those people that don't know, Sarge, won't believe you if you tell them. So there's just no way, you know, what we have to do is plan for the hey, future. It's pretty well recorded, you know. <laughs> You know, I mean, I know, like when the sorry. Huns of Central Asia, what is well, now Kazakhstan, invaded Europe, okay. they ransacked their way through the Balkans, through Hungary, through modern, what is now Bulgaria, it was called Thrace back then, and they exacted tribute from Rome in exchange for... Sorry, uh, how uh, many uh, documentaries do I do where I talk about true history? We, we Remember, we did George Washington, Andrew Jackson, you know, General Lee, you know, I mean... <laughs> The list goes on and on and on. The black Confederate soldiers, you know. You know Look, the, the I got to go. How much black is coming up, and all we're going to hear about is the evil Europeans who did this, did blah, blah, Look. blah. And it's going to be endless. And it's all an Sorry. attack on Western civilization. Look, I got to go get something to eat for some reason or another. When I'm on a show with you, I burn an expedient amount of energy. I'm about to faint. <laughs> I'll talk to you guys later. All right, Bianchi, thanks for the call. We're wrapping it up anyway here. Uh, Jan, uh, uh, I don't know if I can say her. Uh, oh, she left, I think. Oh, no, there she is. She's still there. Uh, 320, you want to say something real quick? One minute, one minute. I'll give you to you. One minute. Go ahead. Uh, one minute, 320. All I say is just, you know, don't be afraid to speak up. Even if you're getting, you know, threatened or whatever, say what needs to be said. I mean, the it's just like asking a question. The worst that's going to happen is a no. But if you, you sit go. back and you say nothing and you sit there and you watch freaking mainstream media and believe everything that's happening on the you're stupid. You're just dumb. <laughs> Yeah. Because the yeah. lack of yeah. common sense in this world, I mean, it's lacking so much, it's sick. Yeah. So open your eyes. Speak up. Question everything. Question Yeah, everything. I agree. Archivada, Archivada, you still there? Do you want to say something quick? I love you. I love yes, all of you, my brothers and sisters. Here. I love you. All right, Archivada, go ahead. Okay, um, well, in closing, I just want to say this. Um, thank you for allowing me to speak on the show freely and openly on uh, the things that are going on and um, how we move forward. 
from here. Um, so, as you know, I do stand in representation of the matriarch in pain, and it is up to us mothers to stand up and protect our children, and it is for the men to surround us in protection so that we feel safe to speak out, to be honest, and to um, share light on the situations that are affecting us. But okay, really, I gotta go to Sarge. I gotta go to Sarge. It's, a, it's affecting the next generation, so therefore we need to stand together so we can make this change. There you go. You. Okay, Sarge, go ahead, man. Yeah, real quick, uh, like I said, just raise scatter, you know, like callers before me uh, uh, said, just raise scatter. Go to school board meeting, raise hell. Tell them you don't want to put up with this for, for either yourself and especially not for your children. And tell Mary Garland, bring it on, Jack. And let's see how well you fare when you do. Hey, I can't beat that, Sarge. I can't. I can't beat that. Hey, thanks, guys, for calling in tonight. God bless the Republic, and yeah, keep fighting. You know. Tonight, if you're for sleep with your rifle, you will Amen. give your rifle a girl's name, because this is the only pussy you people are going to get. Your days of finger banging. Old Mary Jane Rottencrotch through her pretty pink panties are over. You're married to this piece, this weapon of iron and wood, and you will be faithful. <laughs> <laughs> 